are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Day 65 and 66 of yes. Read Through the Bible in a Year program. Yeah, we are finally uh, 300 days away from being done. <laughs> oh, yeah! We're only 300 days away, people! <laughs> Woohoo! You're, you're doing it! Um... And the story only gets more exciting. Of course, we are in <laughs> Leviticus. Yeah. Where are we, Matt? We are in Leviticus chapters 14 through 16. Uh, if you've been reading along and made it this far, you might already be aware of the subject matters we are going to be talking about today. And if you have little ones listening, you may or may not want them to hear this or listen to it first and decide what they can handle. That's right. Because we're just going to be saying what the Bible says and I don't feel inclined to try to come up with different vernacular. Right. We value honesty and so we're (laughs) going to be honest about what it says but we will go over Leviticus 14 which is uh, finishing and wrapping up the conversation about cleansing lepers and houses. But yeah. after that, we're getting into uh, chapter 15. So, it, yeah, which, so... Which, which might be questionable for kids in the car. Um, um, yeah, so the previous chapter was dealing with um, identifying certain dis- skin diseases, and now it's 14 is going through if they can prove to be healed of these diseases, um, These are this is what you do now. Um, which is really cool because it's actually acknowledging that these people could miraculously be healed from right. these diseases. Uh, right. So a priest would go out to look at a person, leave the temple to go check out a person, right? Yes. And they'd go out and yeah, that's where it starts first. And then it gets into houses. Yeah. So there's like, um, it's a kind of an interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the priest goes out and he brings... Two clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. Yeah. And then he kills one of them in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. And then he takes the live bird, the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop. And I guess they, he ties them all together and then dips them in the blood. With the scarlet yarn? Yeah. He dips them in the blood of the bird that was killed. Then he sprinkles it seven times on him who's to be cleansed. Uh, Then he pronounces him clean, and then he lets the living bird go and fly off with the blood and the disease or the sin, the uncleanliness, out into the desert. (laughs) Wow, I read the whole thing and didn't really get that. It's very, Thank you. That's helpful. Because that's very, I mean, we'll get to it later today, but the scapegoatish. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's like already a precursor. Because I just knew that um, if <clears throat> the skin heals up, you know, there's a whole seven day kind of waiting period, test it out, and then the eighth day, like you just keep seeing the eighth day. It's very, I mean, yeah, you it, enter it really, into a new relationship with God. It's the beginning of a new era, and mm-hmm. so every day in this Leviticus reading, mm-hmm. I'm seeing the word eight mm-hmm. or the the number eight, and uh, it's reminding me that I'm I'm I'm. Re- I'm going, okay, what's the eighth day? Well, it's Sunday. Yeah. And it's a new era. So one of the reasons we worship on Sunday. And, and then the bird, it, I, I looked up and it means human vitality. You know, it's like oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this uh, birds have this kind of restoration. But there's something else too that was interesting about what the priest does for a person with leprosy. Is this where they do almost a priestly rite? Yeah. So when, because the idea with the worst kind of leprosy is they were not allowed anymore. They were not allowed to live with the rest of the Israelites. They had to live outside of the camp and like create little leper communities. So you couldn't even see the tent of meeting. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And yeah. And if anyone came near you, you had to yell unclean. So you were p- completely cut off from community. And so as a restoration, they they were they came back in, they were washed and they basically get a similar right to the right of being anointed into the priesthood or ordained as a priest hmm. to be like you are now entering back into the community of God. And so you are now washed, you're anointed, you, the blood is applied to your right ear, your right thumb, your right toe. Then we sprinkle the blood at the, at the veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And that gets sprinkled, and then you anoint with oil over the right ear, the thumb, and the toe. And it's just like you are being brought back into community. You are able to handle the things of God again, be with the people of God again. In which, again, my perspective of everything is changing as we read this. Uh, instead of it being like, oh, these are harsh rules, mm-hmm. we have to realize if God didn't lay this out, if he didn't clearly state how and his heart to heal and restore sinners or unclean people to his presence, the natural tendency would have been way harsher. Yes. It would have been like, you're out forever. And so God's like, or no, no. just kill him. Yeah, kill him. You're out forever. And God's... God's law here for the priest is, no, I am about creating ways to lead you back to my presence. Mm -hmm. And the other theme really is God is the only God that we know of that is going to this great of effort Mm -hmm. to be among his people on earth. All the other gods are like, you need to find a way to manipulate me or get to me, but I'm going through all this to be with you. So this is like a loving a loving way to handle someone with leprosy. Yeah. The easiest thing would be forget about them or kill them mm-hmm. because they're a hassle. Mm-hmm. But there is a way to check on them. The priests go out to them. It's really cool. And then you realize the priests also leave for houses. Yeah, well, real quick, the oh, one yeah, other thing I wanted to add is they, like you look at the amount of sacrifices they have to give when they're coming back in and being reinstated. Mm-hmm. And it, you, I think looking, like from our perspective, looking back, we're going... That's a ridiculous amount of stuff that they have to do. Right. But realizing this is a, a party meal. Like, this is yes. a celebratory meal. This is something like you're being let back into the community. You're being let back into the lives of your family and loved ones. And right. with God, you're going to party and eat before God. Right. Like, this is a great meal. This is a feast that you're being prepared. So it's more like a, a really <clears throat> great kind of potluck you bring something mm-hmm. and you'll see it prepared. Your sins are forgiven and you're made, you are made holy to be with God. And you eat in the presence of God. And like you said, we were talking about this earlier and Adam pointed out that this is like similar to the, product, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. Like the father goes out and kills the what, fatted calf. Yeah, or... he kills the fatted calf and <clears throat> uses money to throw a giant party. party. Yeah, and this because is what's happening. His son has been brought back into fellowship with the family, and that's that's the storyline in Leviticus. Like this is how much God cares for mm-hmm. people, and and um, this is how much He cares for us, even in our uncleanness. Mm-hmm. Um, now 
we can go to the house. Go to the house. The other idea too um, that has been hitting me, and they're all it's all kind of mixing together, but is the idea of um, you know when you're camping and you're trying to keep your tent clean, oh, it's really right. hard to stay clean. Mm-hmm. You have to like think through like we're gonna take our shoes off here, make sure you don't get sand or dirt in here and here, and mm-hmm. we got clean and. And that's what God's doing with all of this. He's like, I want to meet with you. If you want to come into my tent of meeting, here's how you can come in and live. Because right. you're getting very close to the glory of God. Right. And the glory of God is just like the sun mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, or any other natural force that could just destroy you without any emotion. Mm-hmm. Like a giant wave that crushes the shore. It's not like emotional or angry. It's just a wave that could crush you. And so the glory, of, yeah, the glory of God will just burn you up like you're touching the sun. And so here's how safety precautions. Which, okay, interesting. Yeah. I'm going to tell a story now, yeah, which I story. never do. Do it. I never do this. Story but time with Matt. <laughs> when story time with Matt. <laughs> Give us a story, Matt. Yeah. All right, awesome. Matt. Thank story you. time. So I was a Boy Scout. And Whoa. I uh, camped for two weeks in the mountains of New Mexico. And it, one of the things that you had to do when you would go into your tent is you had to make sure there was no trace of food anywhere in your tent. Or, like, you couldn't even wear the clothes that you ate in. Like, any clothes that you ate in and Why? anything with food, you had to put it in a bag and then hoist it up in a tree and tie it off and it was because there were bears interesting and they would smell any any food on you they would go into your tent and try to find the food and destroy you <laughs> in their process if you were in the way yeah what about your sweet little breath like you had like little <clears throat> yeah you had to like brush captain's, your teeth you had and captain's like, wafer on your breath like, and you're like mm. yeah there was like a lot of precautions that we had to take that's a perfect story we had to story. be diligent and vigilant about what we had and what we didn't have. So imagine, um, <clears throat> so this is what it's like to read Leviticus. It's like mm-hmm. I'm reading correspondence between your scout leader and you, and all I read is, you must bring a Ziploc bag to put your clothes in. You will tie this kind of knot to high, to yes. put it above the tree. You will do it at this time. You will yes. then brush your teeth. You will then get your sterilized jammies on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this Boy Scout thing? I don't get it. <laughs> But in reality, it's kind of exciting and awesome because you are sleeping where bears sleep. Yes. And you're just taking the precautions. Right. And this is what God's doing. Yes. So I think that Anyways. was a pretty effective story time with Matt. Yeah. 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 So that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes into, uh, I also am interested in this, this section of chapter 14 where God cares about our houses. Yes. The places where it's an extension of his presence with us. He cares about our houses if they have mold, mildew, sickness within the houses. And this is another uh, reason for the priests to leave the temple and go out and cleanse houses. And, uh, and again, there's a line in there that says that sometimes God allows <clears throat> uh, sickness to happen in houses to deal with things. And because um, a lot of these house issues had, like, with the cultures around, they thought it was God. the gods are displeased or mm-hmm. uh, demonic stuff. And God is like, well, yes and no. It's, sometimes it's just mold and things. Mm-hmm. But to cleanse it, we have to totally destroy it. Yeah, we have to take it seriously. If it doesn't go away, then we um, have to just take out that 
piece of drywall. Take out that stone. Mm-hmm. Take out that thatched thing. Yeah, it's interesting too because again, it's one of the few times that a priest would leave. I mean, the I tabernacle. Was, for God so loved the world, He sent His only Son. Right. Yeah. God loves us, so He sends out the priest for these things. Yeah, to inspect, and then and then the, and then He does a similar cleansing rite over the house that He did for the lep the lepers to, right. to say this house is cleansed, and it's cool to just see that God cares about the houses yeah. and the places that His people live. And we care about them too, so that's why we'll, we've gotten in the habit of trying to um, to go and bless people's houses mm-hmm. um, because it's where you live, and yeah. it's, and and you bring in spiritual things as well as physical and emotional things all the time. But it's one of the benefits of knowing the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. All right, chapter fifteen. This is the fun. Now this is where you know this <clears throat> is all about bodily discharges. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and sickness. So. Uh... Do you know what they mean by bodily discharge? Uh, no, Matt. What do they mean? <laughs> I was hoping you would talk about it. Okay, cool. So, with the bodily discharge, they are specifically addressing any infections of the genitalia. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is something that God cares about. So, <clears throat> we see this as like, okay, you have an infection... Um, you are going to be considered unclean. Anything you touch or handle is considered unclean. And it's not, it's different where the language in here is not that it's wrong. Right. It's just, you're, you just won't be able to go near the tabernacle. Right. It, it you're, actually, not, you're not cut off from the community. You're not, but just know, like, think about it. Make sure, like, every, you take care and wash everything and and take care of it. Well, it goes... So those bodily discharges, which might, like what you just said, I'll let it, let it go there. And then um, the chapter also goes into, um, like, menstruation and, and sexual, like, semen. Yeah. Sexual encounters. And it, you read it and you're like, what is the deal with this? Why does <clears throat> God go into so much detail? And then again, you, I re- it's what you just said. I realized this is not about your good or bad if you do this. Mm-hmm. This is a part of life. It's about... Who's going to come into the most holy of places, the temple, mm-hmm. the tent of meeting? Like, if you're going to approach the tabernacle, you must be completely holy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't have crumbs. Right. The bears will eat you. <laughs> the glory of God will burn your sweet skin because it's too much. And he's so holy, he burns up anything that's, um, that's dirty. And so you're not dirty for, I mean, it's not you. It's, again, this is all invitation to be with God. Right. And so... Um, that's helpful because, like, let's take the menstruation, for instance, of a woman, which mm-hmm. is a very normal <clears throat> and wonderful mm-hmm. part of life. And the reason they even say this is because people would just naturally left to their own kind of legal understanding, well, women can never come into the tent because Ever. they have an issue of blood, and who knows, let's not mess with it. Let's just not mess with it at all. all right. And so God in his grace mm-hmm. is saying, no, 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 here's how we're going to do it. You're right. Like we still we still care about the blood thing, mm-hmm. but there's a very simple way for women to be honored and then be restored. Yeah. Because, you know, this whole issue of blood is the way that the son of God is going to come to the to the world. Right. Like it's very mm-hmm. important. So it's not a um a harsh thing, um, you know, it's kind of loving. Yeah, it's 
giving them a very it's giving them a very uh concrete way to handle it and again it was just all right once your time is over yeah. You just count off seven days, you're allowed back in. And the only time that they, like, women had to even give, like, a special offering uh, was when they, um, like, had, like, it was an irregular yeah. cycle. Well, like the woman <clears throat> with the issue of yeah. blood in New Testament right. touches Jesus. Yeah, when it's an irregular cycle, you would have to come in and give an offering, and it would be, um, then you would be allowed in. But again, it's like a celebration it's more of a celebration than anything like else because your irregularity is over and yeah. you're like, yay, okay, we're back in. Um, but the other reason this is like addressed... The sexual stuff makes so much sense once <clears throat> I connected this. Yes. Which That's what you're going to say, right? Right, yeah. Right. God goes out of his way with the, um, the idea of a mission of semen mm-hmm. because all of the rest of the world will be using um, like temple prostitution. Mm-hmm. They'll be using sexual sexuality as a way to worship, and God says, "No, I'm preventing you from ever thinking ritual prostitution mm-hmm. is what I like. It is not. Right. We do not use people that way. We don't elicit God's uh, power of fertility through acting this way. Right. And that was like, oh, he's being very clear. Like, this will not be a part of worship. For you. Right. To the point that you will not." Even if you've engaged in it in a healthy way, yeah. you are not allowed near the temple. Within marriage, everything's cool, but you just you can't come to the temple until evening. Yeah. You need to like wash everything, be pure. That's how much this is not going to be a part of how you worship me. Yeah. Because I want table fellowship. <clears throat> I don't want crazy orgiistic behavior mm-hmm. at my party of fellowship and rest with you. Yeah. It's so not the place. Super helpful when you yeah. start to think about it. Makes total sense. Yeah. And then you get to uh Within Leviticus, you get to there's like little uh, kind of rocks to that in the river of mundanity. <laughs> you know, it's like getting yeah, through all this yeah. stuff, and then you get like this nice little refuge of oh, the Day of Atonement. I can understand this, and that's chapter sixteen, <laughs> and that uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, where essentially it is uh, the the priest now Aaron is told he can't just go into the Holy of Holies whenever he wants. Yes. God's defining that, saying, look, we're going to set up times for you to go in, and really, it's once a year. Mm-hmm. And when you go in, you're going to suit up, you're going to do everything right, you're going to get everything right. There's no confusion. And then he's making atonement. I never realized this. He's making atonement for the tent, for the altar, for the priests, for... Uh, the mercies for everything. Yes. Because it's been covered in sins all year. Yes. And so now it's yeah. like, let's re-establish our atonement mm-hmm. and our and, and make sure we're not getting too buried under the sins of people in these holy places. So he makes atonement there. And then it's the whole thing with the scapegoat. Yeah, so before we move on to the scapegoat, right. I just thought it was really cool that God's addressing like the place. Yes. Like this is a holy place. Places matter. And your sin corrupts it. And so once a year, we need to rededicate this place and uh, make atonement for the physical created things and wash them of the sin that's been placed on them because of your stuff. Right. And so Which we're going phys- to do that. Physically, you would do, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if your tool is a chainsaw, like at least once a year, you got to get it maintained. Yeah. You know, if you're using it's, it a lot, it's like 
Change the oil, sharpen the blades. Very interesting. All right. So scapegoat. What do, you, what do you know at the scapegoat, man? <clears throat> All right. So Oz, A-Z-L? Azazel? Azazel. Azazel. That's how we say it. Is how? Yeah. Denzel says it. <laughs> Denzel? <laughs> yeah, there's a movie. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, Azazel, uh, the idea is you place the whole community would place its sins on once a year they would place their sins on this goat and this goat there's two goats one gets killed this goat does not get killed mm-hmm. it gets chased out of the community and into in, the wilderness into the wilderness which is another term for azazel go to azazel which is uh in in like a rough like hebrew to english translation translation it's go to hell right like that's where their sins are going like get away as like far as the east is from the west that kind of language right. like you're driving your sins away from the community and they go and die out in the wilderness away from you and away from god right like pretty it's a pretty cool like thing uh people will try to get weird about this and try to say they're like doing some weird sacrifice to some uh demon right. goat demon that's not what they're doing they're just symbolically and and spiritually Transferring, the transferring their sins yeah. to a goat and driving it away from the community. So it's a big day, <clears throat> and then um, after doing that, he Aaron has to continue to uh, make offerings to the Lord. And there was there was a phrase in there that struck me. He says, "And put the incense on the fire before the Lord, yeah. that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die." And that made me that made me think of. Uh, of his two boys, um, Nadab and Abihu. And, and it made me kind of rethink, like, we always think mm-hmm. that they were some kind of just irreverent, rebellious, like, ah, oh, we'll do whatever we want. And, like, they didn't believe. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking, they were probably really excited after seeing God devour that. They're, they're saying God's glory is in here. And they, they probably went into... The Holy of Holies. And the strange fire probably didn't create a cloud of smoke over the mercy seat. And if you look straight in the sun, you get burned. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if they went in without proper preparation and they wanted to see the glory of God. It's like their hearts were like, oh, we want to see it. But you you can't just do that. Yeah. You can't just want to see a bear <clears throat> and go to sleep with food on your shirt. Right. Because the bear <laughs> will eat you while yes. he's there. Yes. And so I, I, it kind of switched. That's just my sanctified imagination. But mm-hmm. it made sense for me that you wanted a cloud over that mercy seat because God's glory has to be like the sun. We get cloud cover yeah. from his glory. And his glory is uh, too much for us to bear. So anyway, yeah, that was interesting. And then the scapegoat is great. Jesus becomes our scapegoat, mm-hmm. goes to the wilderness. I mean, it's so if you if I have to explain that to you. You get it. Um, yeah, and then also this Yom Kippur was also a day of fasting, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, I read that there's uh, 28 mm-hmm. fasting days in the Jewish calendar. Mm-hmm. So throughout the year, certain things to fast. And, um, and one of the things Jesus encountered was fasting had been so confused and turned into not just um, a re- time of repentance and, and even remembering but it was kind of become a manipulative thing yes and um so this is one of those times you fast you prepare it's pretty great it's pretty great (laughs) that's leviticus for today 
Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No, I was just struck by how much God wants to be with us. Yeah. That he's going... I mean, it'd be so much easier for him to say, my glory is too much for you guys. You'll never get to me. Forget it. Forget about it. But he's saying, okay, you want to be with me? I want you to be with me. Here's what you need to do to be with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that way you don't get hurt. Yeah. And to the extent in the Old Testament we could trust him, now it just makes the words of Jesus even more shocking. Like Jesus says, look, you can come to God boldly now in the name, in the one sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> I mean, that's what's, that's, that's what's that's some shocking good to me. Like, <laughs> oh, here's what it is. Like Jesus has made us holy. We get baptized once. Mm-hmm. We remember our baptism daily. Jesus died once. We remember his mm-hmm. death daily. And then we get to have the Lord's Supper weekly or day. We can do, I mean, as often as it's given, we get to just have this feast with God as people declared holy by the mm-hmm. death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we approach God in the name of Jesus. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And he tried to get everyone this. He did do this with people before Jesus. And there was so much. Mm-hmm. And now it's so easy for us in Jesus' name by faith. Um, if anything, Leviticus makes me really thankful for the era that we're born in. Yeah. Because if it's hard to go to church and read your Bible, imagine how hard it was to grab your favorite bull, drag him to the temple, <laughs> cut him, knowing that you're going to sin again tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm whittling away the flock. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> All right. Okay. We got to get to Mark. Oh, yeah. We're, we're down here. Keep it under an hour. All right. Our New Testament reading for today is Mark chapter 13 through chapter 14, verse 16. Okay. All right. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. He is dealing with everyone, mm-hmm. like in, like he is not holding back anymore. Yeah. And now he and his disciples are coming out of the temple, and his disciples are like pointing at the buildings, which this buildup of the temple at this point was built up by Herod, uh, the guy at the beginning of Jesus's story who killed all the babies. Um, this is the temple that they're referencing, and yeah. it's now the largest religious site in the world at that at that point. Um, and anyways, so yeah. it's just interesting knowing like, oh, Herod built this up. Interesting, but this is the place that everyone's like, oh, it's isn't it so great? Look how great it is. Right. Um, and then Jesus has to break their little hearts. <laughs> Well, I think we can make... Actually, this section is... We can spend days on it, or we can spend, like, two minutes on it. Okay. What do you want to spend? (laughs) I'd love to spend days, of course. But uh, essentially, I mean, this is after Jesus points out that the temple, this great, spectacular temple, no longer really carries the word of God. Yeah. And he's already gone through the gauntlet of... uh, of all the religious leaders trying to to destroy him in every possible way. Mm-hmm. Now they're just going to resort to killing him secretly. And his disciples say, like, you know, tell us, when will these things be? Because he says, 
the temple's going to be destroyed. Like, yeah, there's a like, time coming. He's like, yeah, the, these buildings you think are so great, not a single one of these stones, which is also an insane statement right. because this temple is protected by Rome. And the stones are huge. And they're huge. Yeah, they're spectacular. It's one of the ancient wonders of the world, I yeah. think, are close yeah, to Yeah, it. it is. Um, well, <clears throat> Jesus says, look, the end times... It's, it's going to be like this. You're going to always hear rumors of war. You're going to hear mm-hmm. nation against nation. But that's just the beginning. And basically, be on your guard. You're going to be turned over to councils, to synagogues. They're going to hate you because they hated me. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. He'll give you the words to say. And uh, your own family will turn against you. And the thing that struck me was you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so just noting that we are saved by God by the sake of Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. So God loves you because of Jesus' sake, but the world will hate you. And, and Jesus is not trying to hide that. He's like, look, they hated me first. They will hate you mm-hmm. in every generation. Mm-hmm. And that's just the beginning. So now it goes on. He goes on like, so don't try to figure out the day or the hour. I will tell you this, though. This generation will see the destruction. We know it as the destruction of, of Rome in this temple, by temple. Rome, of the temple in <clears throat> A.D. 70. Um, but when Christ comes back, no one knows the time or, or the hour. Not even the angels who are going to gather us and not mm-hmm. even uh, the Son. Only the Father knows these things. Um, and he explains a bunch going through that. I'm trying to go a little quicker, but yeah. So what I mean, am I missing? well, like they, I think the helpful idea whenever you're dealing with uh, predictions of the future within the Bible yes. from God, he's always handling multiple layers of things. So he's addressing immediate concerns to the immediate um, audience. Yeah. So there's always that layer. Like Jesus is very clearly talking about the destruction of the of the temple. Right. But then he always, there's always another layer of like future. Like there's always this other layer of now these are also signs of how the end of all things will come about too. It's kind of like all prophet. Mm -hmm. They always talk, they always spoke very practically to the kingdom. Like this is, you're going to be taken to exile, but Mm -hmm. then also had like a future kind of bigger foreshadowing of things to come things to come right yeah so like that's why it's kind of confusing sometimes we read this and we want to only apply it to us but or only apply it to them right and almost always it's it's both like it's being applied to them and it's also being applied to us right because that's just how a good god is um so yeah i mean he is just saying some very shocking things like this this whole era is coming to an end, and there will be a new era after this. And, and then he says a line in verse 31 of Mark 13, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It's like very comforting. I mean, he's essentially he's saying, endure, hold mm-hmm. on. Yeah. If things are going to get dicey. Um, I don't know exactly when the actual end is coming, Jesus <clears throat> says. He doesn't use his divine understanding to reveal that, but he's like just... Hold on. Stay awake. Yeah, and I, I think, too, like, the idea is don't get caught up in trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Right. Get he, caught up in the work that he's given you to do. Right. That's it. I mean, because he reigns now mm-hmm. at the right hand of the Father. Right. 
And so he's coming again, but right now he already reigns. We worship him as king. He is with us by the power of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. And so when everything is over, um, you can kind of try to, you know, look at like he uses farming analogies. Like yeah. you can kind of tell when the seasons are coming. But every generation has longed to get uh, back into the garden. And every right. generation, you read history, they always thought it was the end times. Yeah. They thought Jesus was coming back the next day, which is a good thing to think. Just try not to put a date to it. That gets confusing. Yeah, I mean, what what was the thing? You always say something to me about like what Luther would say if he knew Jesus was coming back. He'd plant oh, a tree. Yeah. And... What I remember reading is like uh, <clears throat> he, he, he basically said, if I knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow or next week, I would plant a tree and just try to make more babies with my wife. And you're like, why? What's he mean? But he's saying, look, we were called to be fruitful. And multiply. And multiply. Yeah. Like he would just do the work and multiply because we're with the Lord now. Right. And uh, But when he comes again, it'll be salvation and glory for those who have faith. And it'll be judgment and fear for those who don't. So we yeah. don't need to fear. We don't need to freak out. So right. just keep doing what you're called to do. Well. Which I love. I love that. Yeah. It's just a freeing. And like, there's like this less like sense of being freaked out about what's going to yeah. happen in the future and it's more of like actually we're we can be super comfortable and confident right we're not the ones that have to have any fear yeah anyways um, that was cool it's kind of like the eclipse <clears throat> we have the glasses to be able to look at the eclipse <laughs> those without faith will try to look at it and their eyes will be burned okay okay chapter 14 uh, of course the response to all this is we must kill Jesus. Yeah. It was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes mm-hmm. were trying to figure out how to stealth, by stealth, kill him. Because mm-hmm. they knew if they did it during the feast, you know, it's a supercharged time, and they don't know if they have the support of Rome yet or anything. Yeah. So, And they're also, they're seeing what he's doing and, and are understanding the time better than we are yeah. of Passover and its significance, and they're freaking out going, this guy is going to get up in the temple and claim he's the Messiah. And all the people are going to be more than ready to go, yes, and declare war on Rome. Yeah. This is what's going to happen this weekend. And we know better. So we got to save the people from Jesus. Yes. That's their mindset. We got to save exactly what's happening. Jesus is just this podunk rebel. We've seen these types before. And all he's going to do is bring wrath from Rome on us, which is funny because, you know, several years later, a generation later, by AD 70, Rome will declare your God has abandoned you and destroy the temple and siege your city yes. to the point where, according to church historians, Eusebius, cannibalism is taking place. Yeah. The Romans do that, but not Jesus. <clears throat> Anyways, so fascinating. They're, they're trying to kill Jesus, and I don't know what day now we are in this last week of life, but... Um, actually, I can figure that out. So two days before Passover. Yeah. So what are we? Passover at? is Thursday night. We're like Tuesday or Wednesday. So he arrives. Yes, <clears throat> that's right. He arrives on like the Friday. They enjoy the day of rest, and then he does the triumphal entry on on um, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So and now we're at Tuesday or Wednesday. He cleanses the temple on Monday. Then there's the controversy and all the parables stuff we just went over. That was on Tuesday. And now Wednesday, there's like a day of teaching, mm-hmm. and we are at Thursday of this last week, or no, maybe Wednesday, because he hasn't gotten the deci- he hasn't gotten the Passover yet. Yes. So Wednesday, and he is anointed at Bethany. 
Yes. He's hanging out with Simon the leper. Mm-hmm. We totally get leprosy now, thanks to Leviticus. And uh, this is a guy who's been readmitted into community. Right. He's been re- gloriously restored by Jesus. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he... Jesus mm. did send people to the priest, but I wonder if he sent this guy to the priest or he didn't have to because Jesus is the high priest, yes. son of God, temple of God in the flesh. Right. So uh, the lady that we talked about in Matthew, do we know her name? Does He, he just says a woman mm-hmm. in Mark. Yeah. And she dumps the alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke it over Jesus. And the disciples do what they've been doing the whole time through Mark, and they scold the child, the blind person, the woman who offers um, something worth 300 denarii. Mm-hmm. And they scold her and say, what are you doing? We could have given that to the poor. You just yes. wasted it. And yes. Jesus says, you leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? It's a beautiful thing. You'll mm-hmm. always have the poor with you. So apparently they did, when we talked about this with Matthew, they did minister to the poor. Yeah. But Jesus says, look, we're always going to have that ministry to the yeah. poor. But the ministry to the Son of God, days before, a day, 24 hours mm-hmm. before his death. And she was giving him the anointing that would happen to a priest. Oh, so good. Where you would and pour there's incense. The, the oil, the fragrant uh, spice all over the full body. And That's it was right. over no ordinary man. That's right. <clears throat> so, oh, yeah, we did talk about yeah. that last time. Well, in the we didn't. Not last time, but when we hit it in Matthew in Exodus. Yeah. Uh, so it is cool to see this. Um, so she's she's clearly understanding who Jesus is. Right. She's getting it, and again, Mark is showing like she gets it. The disciples still don't fully get it. Right. To the point that Judas. This is always paired with. These two stories are always paired together because I think this is like the triggering point for Judas. Yeah. And he's like, I don't get it. This was a waste. I don't understand what you're trying to do anymore. This is not the kingdom I thought you were trying to build. Yeah, we're supposed to be helping the poor. And now, like, women mm. are pouring. And they're wasting. Yeah. So, yeah, 300 denarii. That's almost a year's worth of money. Okay. That's what that is. Uh, denarii was one day's wage. So 300, you're getting, uh, yeah. that's almost a year's worth of wages. Nice. And she, they're like, that was like a yearly salary. Right. That was just wasted, Jesus. What are you doing? I do not understand this kingdom. All right, I'm going to save you from yourself. I'm going to go, we need to calm down. We need to figure this out. I'm going to go tell the leaders where you're at. Yeah. And they can take you out secretly. And it seems like he thought they mm-hmm. would confront him and maybe scare him from being so crazy. Yeah, get him out. It doesn't seem like he fully understood they were going to kill him. Because based on what we know about his grief, he was like, things spiraled out of control. Nonetheless, though, he did not believe that Jesus was divine. He had no faith in Jesus. So like, whether he meant it purely for evil or just out of his fear of of unbelief, it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter at this point. So... Jesus, uh, Judas betrays Jesus, and then the Passover with the disciples. So I, I just like how Jesus says, uh, they ask, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And again, there's, you got to think, like, these guys got to find a, a lamb, have it sacrificed. Like, they yeah. don't just eat. <clears throat> like, you don't just find and celebrate the meal like we would a birthday party. They're going 
to get something that's been offered to the Lord. Yeah, they're getting a lamb. They're taking it to the temple. They're having it sacrificed. They take the meat back. And I've never connected that. I've never thought of that before. They're putting their sins on the lamb, yet they're eating with the lamb of God who takes away this. It's a very strange place. And then the lamb, and then the the unleavened bread is the same thing. They they take that. They give some of that to the priests. That's offered up to the Lord. And then they take whatever's left, and they bring and eat it. With their families. Like this right. was I like mean, the one that you take the temple and go back and eat with your families. So the disciples are spending the day getting mm-hmm. this thing slaughtered at the temple. Yeah. Doing what you're supposed to do. And at the same time, they're like right in the crossroads of Jesus about like this meal will change everything. Yes. But the work hadn't been done yet. Yeah. So he's telling them, I'm going to die and I'm going to change this meal before I die because I can't do it the other way around. Yeah. And uh, there, no, I mean, I'd be perplexed too. You're steeped in the temple worship to the point where you just prepared it that way. And then Jesus says, uh, look, it's always strange because it makes it sound like Jesus is some kind of, I don't know, like he can just tell the future or something, right? Where Mm -hmm. he says, now you'll find a room. But after reading this, he says, go into the city and you'll see a man carrying a jar of water and he'll meet you there. And, and it sounds to me like these, these are places where Jesus has maybe been before. And you, this is where this guy works and you'll see him there. Tell him the teacher has need. I'd see it more as I used to think it was like, I just tell the future. I'm disconnected from community. Mm-hmm. But go and find this man. But really, I think he's saying, hey, I know a guy um, at a coffee shop. Yeah. You walk in and say, the master needs this. He'll know you're talking about me. And then yeah. I'll let you borrow the room. Right. So Jesus came in earlier on a borrowed donkey, and now he's going to have Passover in a borrowed room. He doesn't own anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they prepare in the large upper room to celebrate the Passover. Yeah. So we, start, we stop at 16 before we get to the Passover meal. I know. Which is a bummer because I kind of want to say something about that. But we'll nope, say about nope. next week. Next week. Next episode. Next episode. <laughs> Two days from now. Um, all right, so that's our New Testament. Any, any last thing about the? So I think no, I can't say anything else. Otherwise, I, I will just go on. But uh, I will say, just try to imagine this time. Yeah, you slaughtered a lamb to then go have the Passover with the Lamb of God. Yeah. Yes. And that would be confusing. So, like, even for Judas, again, it's not trying to justify him or make him like some like. I don't think it's helpful to make him like the worst person ever to live, although Jesus says it'd be better he wasn't born at all. <laughs> but he's trying to figure it out on his own. Mm-hmm. And so we can identify more with the spirit of Judas when we recognize our need to negotiate mm-hmm. and figure things out apart from God. Mm-hmm. We identify with that sin more readily than if we just make Judas like this inhuman monster. You're right. Like our desire to, to renegotiate with God and make it work through the lens of our wisdom, is a bigger sin than you imagine. Mm-hmm. It's a betrayal of trusting God and his divine nature and his human nature becoming the Lamb of God on your behalf. Anyway, cool. Let's go Let's go to the Psalms. Psalm 30? Is that where we're at? Or so what are we, you going to read for us today? Yeah, so our Psalm reading for the last two days was Psalm 30, verse 8 through 12, and Psalm 31, 1 through 8. I'm going to read Psalm 31, 1 through 8. Uh, we are like midway through Lent right now and there's a lot of just identifying with the temptation and 
testing of Jesus, and it just feels like there's a lot of testing right now. And so Psalm 31, 1 through 8, was super helpful for me this morning when I was using it as a prayer. So just kind of connect with that right now. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.